This podcast is sponsored by Google Search. It's where your customers find what matters to them and where you can find what matters to your business. To learn more, visit g.co slash think slash search smarter. That's g.co slash think slash search smarter. Hello and welcome to Marketing That Matters, a podcast series for Marketing Week and e-consultancy sponsored by Google. In this series, we look under the bonnet of how brands are transforming their approach to digital marketing, covering customer experience, e-commerce, search, and much, much more. My name is Russell Parsons, Editor-in-Chief of Marketing Week, and I am your host. Our subject for today is M&M Direct. Now, M&M Direct might be one of the biggest brands many have never actually heard of, Founded as far back as 1987, it has evolved to be the pure play online retailer it is today. According to Wikipedia anyway, the second largest online fashion retailer in the UK in the 2010s. Its proposition of offering big brands at low prices direct to your door has resonated very loudly, particularly in recent years. But how does it plan to keep customers coming back to balance acquisition and retention and grow in the long term? Now, that's just some of the questions we're going to tackle today. I'm not going to do that alone. I have two of the architects of its recent success with me, and let me introduce them to you. I've got Tom Good, who's Customer and E-Commerce Director at M&M, and Phil Twig, who's the Head of Acquisition. Tom, Phil, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having us. You're more than welcome. Now, I mentioned in my intro, or at least implied anyway, that you've flown under the radar a bit. And and it's probably fair to say also that you haven't spent masses anyway on marketing communications. Tom, if I could ask you the first question, what would be or how would you describe your your marketing approach and philosophy? Well, I guess we... We think of ourselves as sometimes as the internet's best kept secret. So we do fly under the radar. And part of that is to do with our business model. So we're an off-price retailer, which means we buy products from brands, last season stock from brands at a reduced cost price, and then pass that saving on to our consumer. And what that means is that we're able to offer big brands at a um, at a really significant saving from the RRP. So that's, that's our core proposition and so that kind of influences how we do our marketing really so and you'll hear in up in my job title and in in my department's title it is it is a customer team so we, we're not a marketing team we're a customer team which means we um, focus on our customers and we focus on our customer base and we are we obsess about adding to our customer base and driving that frequency within that customer base. And so lifetime value of all of our customers and of our whole customer base is key and is our key KPI for the for the whole team, really. And just sticking with you, Tom, if I could, uh, I mentioned in my intro that uh, that focus, it isn't just semantics, it's a, a focus and a devotion to serving needs, has proven quite successful. Tell me how M&M has grown in, in the last couple of years. Since sort of becoming a customer-focused team, so kind of moving from marketing to customer, which happened about five years ago, we have seen significant growth in our customer base. So we've been kind of seeing year-on-year double-digit growth in, in that customer base. And then as with 
everybody over the past 18 months, we have seen that supercharged. So we, we've, we've kind of seen as there's been a big move over to, um, to online because obviously there was no other options. We, we've seen a really significant growth in our customer base and actually in all of our customer um, segments actually shopping more frequently. So we've seen a growth in acquiring new customers, but actually a growth in all of our kind of customers through their life cycle, that frequency increasing over that period to the point where we're kind of up the top end of our customer base is, is shopping on, on average about sort of 12 times a year. So we're seeing sort of a lot of orders out of our best customers. Now, I suppose like any online retailer direct to people, you are blessed with a lot of data, uh, first party data uh, that you can use to improve the experience and keep people coming back. So let's talk about how you actually do that. And Phil, if I could bring you in at this point. So how do you approach data in terms of using that to deliver a better experience when people are on the site? I mean, you mentioned it there, the, the, the first party element that's been key uh, for us over the last, well, Tom's, Tom said five years, it's been a, you know, a relatively quick transformation, I suppose, in terms of the, the customer element of that. Um, certainly in the last sort of two, three years, um, that's really kicked on from what we've been able to do. And I suppose the starting point for that was, was to sort of centralise all, all of our data. So where we've got to now with the, the first party data is having this centralised audience structure, which then feeds into Google, it feeds into Facebook. Uh, and so from a customer perspective, we can be really consistent with our messaging across platforms. So that's that's massively powerful for us. And just explain to me, if you could, what came before it, because it was now central. Uh, was it in silos and, and different pockets before? Yeah, it was. there was quite a sort of a disparate um, approach to it. So you'd have um, you know, different audiences in Facebook than you would, you would across Google. Um, and then the same across our, you know, our CRM platforms as well. Uh, and so there wasn't that consistent approach. It wasn't a joined up approach, I suppose, is, is key. And so by joining it all up together, it, yeah, like, like I say, it's that incredibly powerful way of then targeting your customers and understanding then you know, who, who are the best ones to go after. And having that then leads into you know, lookalike audiences, but then also encourages those who are your key customers to, to shop it again and again because you're able to target them across, across multiple platforms. And that is actually a key point that Phil pointed out there, is having customer data across disparate platforms and, importantly, offline. So it was kind of, it was far away from where our customers are actually shopping and actually pulling that data into a centralised data lake that is in the cloud, which is, means it's closer to where our customers are shopping, which means we're able to then much more effectively be able to kind of optimize that customer journey to create a, a much better interaction with all of our communications and also a, um, the site as well. And then it's, it's been a massive enabler for us um, to be able to then segment campaigns um, to, to really understand what those customers are doing because before that we wouldn't necessarily have had that visibility. So we can understand what a VIP customer does on sites, you know, how they shop, how often they shop compared to you know, someone who's never been to the site before. So then getting that level of understanding in place then, you know, affects your targets uh, and affects, you know, how you structure your campaigns. So having this uh, central lake, I think was the expression uh, Tom used and this single point of truth, as you say, you are able to perhaps more effectively uh, segment 
and target. Has that led to any other outcomes? I was reading about some of the work that you've done around personalised recommendations. If you could talk to me a little bit about how you've done that. It has led to a lot of other outcomes, not all customer facing as well. So generally we are able to see where where orders are within a life cycle. So we're able to kind of have a much better view of of how customers are not just interacting with the site, but with other um, teams within the business customer service, for example. But in terms of on-site behavior, yeah, we're able to kind of deliver more relevant content to customers based on what they've shown an interest in before. And crucially, be able to pull that data back into a centralised place to actually deliver more content, more relevant, more engaging experiences with the customer in all of our channels. So in digital, but also in email and and on site. So it's about delivering the appropriate and engaging content to a customer, understanding how a customer is engaged with that and then being able to provide more further relevant content to them. And, And it's enabling us to do that at scale as well. It's that 360 view and and doing it at scale, which seems to me to be the springboard for some of the success, but also future success as well. I mean, you're gathering a lot of insight into behaviour. A lot of that, uh, as is just the the very nature of data, it's a it's historical. But how are you using that to look further out uh, to make plans and better improve, so you do get that increased advocacy and do get people coming back time and time again. Talk to me about how you're uh, using data for long-term retention. We, so with all of that data, that allows us to understand customer behavior and model customer behavior and be able to see which customers are are more likely to buy into our offer. So more likely to be interested in the brands, categories and range that we've got. As a result of that, we're able to predict future purchases of of not not predict what they're going to buy but actually predict the value of those customers over a longer period of time and understanding that value of customers and the value and how much a customer will want to interact with us we're then able to define how much um, and how visible we would like to be to that customer on all platforms so we're able to go on facebook or on google in search we're able to kind of scale how visible we want to be to that customer, depending on how much we feel like they will want to engage with us in the in the future. And that allows us to be more efficient with our spend, but actually deliver more relevant content at the right time to customers. Relevance, effectiveness and, and efficiency, uh, the three absolute silver bullets to success there. So thanks for talking us through that, Tom. If I could just stick with you just for a moment, you, you hinted at it there, but you definitely mentioned customer lifetime value. Talk to me about what that actually means for you at MNN and and how you use that to continue to improve service and experience. It's such an important metric because you can grow your customer base as much and as as large as you you want. But unless you're growing your customer base with customers who want to place further orders with you, it's not necessarily the the best way to grow a base and to grow your... um, yeah, to grow your audience, really. So what lifetime value does for us in a historic way is to show, have we grown our customer base with the right types of customers for us? So customers who want to engage with us. Um, And in a predictive way to go, are we growing our customer order frequency? So are they shopping with us at the rate we um, expect them to? So Phil will be able to elaborate how that works in channel, but... um, 
what it means is we're able to understand how effective our spend has been and we're also then able to understand are we spending in the right places to drive that future value out of the customers that we've acquired and the customers that are engaging. So it's have we got enough engagement out of our customers and are we getting the right engagement in the future from those customers that we have acquired? Phil, Tom's uh, teed you up nicely there if you could further elaborate on those points. Yeah, and I think it certainly from a from a campaign perspective, there's a lot of work that's gone on um, in in move in sort of teaching, uh, I suppose the the marketing teams about moving away from this traditional kind of revenue metric to a lifetime value based approach, and what that can do from a long term view. Tom's obviously talked about the sort of longer term benefits of LTV for us. Uh, but just looking to um, to bring that across everything we do, not just from a marketing sense. I think um, the, the kind of marketing is the initial kind of point of contact for LTV in terms of that kind of iteration and that testing. But then ultimately what, what we want to be doing is then bringing that into everything that we do on site, be it testing on site, be it even off site, you know, via the likes of customer service, things like that. And so LTV is then baked into everything that we're doing, um, not just the, the kind of marketing proposition. And in terms of success, you mentioned obviously LTV and, uh, and other ways that you determine the success of what you've done. You've done a lot in a relatively short space of time, by the sounds of things. What success measures can you point to to know that you're actually doing a good job? What can you share with us there? From a customer point of view, we look at our um, customer base and need, need to see that we are growing the customer base all the time. So every day we want to be adding new customers and getting new customers excited about our range and shopping through our range. So that, that we have a daily, weekly, monthly view on are we acquiring customers? Are we acquiring the customers who we feel will have got a predicted lifetime value to the level that we want to be acquiring customers at? So there is a wanting to see that customer base grow in the right areas. And key to that is, is then frequency. So are we acquiring the right amount of customers and are all of our customer segments ordering at the frequency that we would expect? So are we, are we delivering the right content and the right engaging content to customers as we go? So frequency is a key kind of short-term metric for us to, to see that we're doing the right things for our customer base. So seeing that frequency grow is important. And then from a longer term point of view, it is is that predicted value of, of, of our entire base and the segments that make it up, are we seeing that predicted value grow as well? And is the answer yes to all counts there? Is there... <laughs> um, not all the time, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it, it is. And I think that's the, um, that's the important thing, is, 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 is actually because, because we're, you're able to, because everything goes into a prediction. So everything in terms of engagement, and in terms of engagement in channels, engagement on site, all of those can help you predict what the longer term value is. So you are able to see much quicker, we found, if you are um, sort of off the trend where you want to be. And that's really helpful. We're able to make changes quicker than, than we have when you are just looking purely at in-day, in-week revenue. And we're not there. We're not fully there yet. We are. It's, this is a process of, of, as Phil said, iterative process, but we are getting there. It would be a brave marketer or executive of any kind who said that they had it all licked and all sorted. I guess that's the nature of uh, 
of online in particular, you're out of late and it's indeed to your service and uh, to your customer service to make iterative changes and continually improve, adapt and evolve. Tom, just uh, pause any further for, I'm going to bring Nikki in now, if I possibly could. Nikki Fry, who's the Principal Industry Manager for Fashion at Google. Nikki, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Russell. Good to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. Now, tell us who you are, um, or more importantly, what you actually do. And uh, tell us about the nature of your partnership and your work with M&M Direct. Yeah, absolutely. Um, As you said, I'm Nikki Fry. I am an industry manager in the fashion team at Google. I've been at Google for 10 years now, and I've in that time, I've been working with retail clients. Um, So I've been really fortunate to work with a host of high street names and online pure plays. With respect to the partnership with M&M, I think there are many characteristics that uh, clients would aspire to have, which M&M do exhibit. So the first thing I'd say is that they are super smart. Uh, They have a really fantastic team. They're leaned into Google technology, and, and Phil and Tom have been talking about their use of technology today. And they take on and they implement recommendations really quickly. And together, actually, these factors come together to galvanize what is a really special partnership. And I actually feel like I'm one of their team. I know I'm not employed by m M&M, I'm employed by Google, but I really feel like there's a bit of skin in the game uh, and we're all working towards a common goal. Is that the key to partnership, would you say? It's feeling that you're part of the team, that you're all on the same page. I think we are, I think we're all human. And I think when you work together in an open environment and you really understand someone's objectives and their challenges, actually you bring the best that you have to the table as well. And that's what makes a real partnership. Thank you for that. I mean, what steps do you take to ensure you continue giving the M&M Direct board confidence in your work? That's a really good question. And I think there are many ways to make digital a priority within your business. But one example would be that we set up a data steering committee. And this is all around platforms, data and privacy, because we knew that that was of critical concern to M&M Direct. So once a month, we bring together a range of stakeholders alongside Tom and Phil. And this includes the head of data science, the head of of compliance. And we share with them our latest thinking, whether it's around the privacy sandbox or regulatory changes that they should keep in mind. Mind. Uh, thank you for that, Nikki. Thank you for uh, uh, discussing and, uh, and distilling the nature of your partnership. Uh, super smart, Tom, Phil. That's a ringing endorsement. We, we have we transferred the money over to you, Nikki. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to uh, to reflect any further on uh, on the uh, the testimonial that Nikki uh, gave you. If I could, um, I suppose, look a little bit. Uh, to the future, I suppose. What's next for M&M? How do you plan to stay ahead? We've talked about your growth. We've talked about the work that you've done uh, to give that some momentum. I mean, what's next for you? What's the next frontier? And how do you propose to reach it? I suppose that the, the challenge for us, um, as any, with any retailer really, is, yeah, like you say, staying ahead. And certainly from, from a Google sense, you know, Google's constantly evolving and constantly evolving its product stack. And it's how we align our goals, uh, chiefly LTV, to Google's um, ever-changing product landscape. That's something that we're kind of grappling with at the moment. And that's something that we're working with Google on. Yeah, how, how we kind of navigate that is, is kind of key to our success, really. And I think that is, <laughs> it's funny because we there is a ever constantly changing campaign structures and there is a certain level of automation and ml becoming kind of entry level 
stuff. So actually, we've got a lot of work to do to stay ahead. We've done a lot of work to get where we are, but actually the tools that Google are putting out are actually meaning that everyone is accelerating behind us. And it's about us really understanding the tools and understanding our data and how we can drive value from that. It's, um, yeah, it's never, nothing ever stops, nothing. <laughs> and that's that's the problem. You go, okay, solved it. Oh, no, we haven't. We have a joke internally around ripping up the campaigns every six months and doing something completely different. And <laughs> it annoys a lot of people, but... <laughs> it's a joke, it's though, fun. is it? Or, or do you actually... <laughs> No, it's not a joke. We we we, we generally we, we do do that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, the one thing that you can be absolutely sure of is that you'll never have the playing field to yourself online, and in particular, uh, your category online. I mean, what industry trends do you see shaping the future? What are you looking out for? What are you looking over your shoulder, worried about or excited about? I think there's. As we've said, there's that kind of homogenizing of campaigns that actually takes away what has historically been our, uh, feels like our competitive advantage. So it's then very quickly, and to Nikki's point, what Nikki's great at is she's really works with us, actually. She understands what we're trying to do. She understands the Google products. And the meeting of those two things means that we are able to stay ahead and actually you know, new campaign structures or campaigns that come out, we're able to make the most of those really quickly. So, and keep that um, competitive advantage. In terms of industry trends and changes, we talk about three different things. There's first party data, lifetime value, and creative. And they're the three things that we are concentrating on. First party data, making sure that we own all of the understanding of our customers. So as long as we own all of that understanding, we can share that understanding with partners to drive value and to drive um, relevance to customers. And part of that sharing of that data is is sharing of that lifetime value. So understanding lifetime value and then being able to activate it in channel. So they're the two things that we need to be able to do. And then creative, being able to deliver the correct creative to the correct customer segment, really, at the right time. So they're the three things that we are concentrating on Everything has to fit within those three functions. If we do that, I think we are we're ticking off most things. I think mm. uh, it seems to me to be a sound basis. I mean, yes, obviously, uh, good partnership and collaboration is absolutely key, uh, especially if they're on the same page as you. There's just you know a myriad of competition that's going to get greater and greater. But it seems to me that. Yes, you've got the data, uh, but it's the the devotion, the understanding that you're not the customer and you need to find out and find out and find out what makes them tick, what makes them tick, and continually improve and develop. That will set you apart. Um, Saying it, a lot easier than doing it. But uh, thank you, Tom. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Nikki, for sharing your experiences, sharing your work and illustrating some of your successes at M&M Direct for us in this podcast. Until next time, thank you to you three and thank you to everybody that listened. Goodbye. You've been listening to Marketing That Matters from Marketing Week and eConsultancy, sponsored by Google with me, Russell Parsons. This podcast was produced by Tim O'Donoghue from Bauer London Creative and edited by Rebecca Sentence. 
Look out for the next episode in which I'll be talking to you, Switch, about how they have been measuring ROI in a fragmented ecosystem. Until next time, goodbye. This podcast is sponsored by Google Search. It's where your customers find what matters to them and where you can find what matters to your business. To learn more, visit g.co slash think slash search smarter. That's g.co slash think slash search smarter.